So, and then here's the catch. We didn't have an emergency fund. So obviously a loved one in the, in the hospital is definitely an emergency. So in that five or six weeks, we accrued some of that. And once my uh, my mother-in-law passed away, you know, we caught our breath. It was it was tough. We had to heal from it. But in 2018, my wife and I looked at each other and said, no more, no mas. And as me, as the head of the household, I felt like I failed. And I told her, I said, we'll never go through this again. We'll never go through life again without an emergency fund. So what I always tell people is when you don't have an emergency fund, it's like walking on a tightrope with no safety net. Welcome, everybody, back to another exciting show of the About That Wallet podcast. I have a wonderful guest uh, that's going to come on and talk about his journey um, to be debt free. And that's one of the goals and the problems that we have today. And one of the things is that I want you guys to actually hear his debt free journey, as well as um, how the habits that he put inside his life to take him to the next level. So welcome to the show, Demetrius. Thank you for having me, Anthony. Uh, first and foremost, I want to thank my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, for giving me this opportunity to be here. And Anthony, I thank you for having me on your platform. I don't take this for granted, so I really appreciate it. I mean, uh, no problem. Thank you so much for coming through uh, to share your story, because one of the problems that a lot of us have um, in society is debt. And it seems like you pretty much, it looked like from the outside looking in, it looked like you sacrificed a lot. Uh, to kind of become debt free. So can you talk about uh, what got you into debt and then also what changed and what was that that mind shift that got you out of debt? Absolutely. So it it goes back to 2017, the summer of 2017, um, my mother-in-law passed away and um, my wife is originally from Ohio and we live in Maryland and in 2017, like I said, summer of 2017, my, my mother-in-law passed away and she was in the hospital for about five or six weeks. And uh, it was time for the good Lord to call her home. But in that time period, my wife was traveling back and forth from Maryland to Ohio. We had to cruise some debt through, you know, uh, uh, you know, eating out and uh, just hotel fees and things of that nature, flights. Right. So and, and here's the catch. We didn't have an emergency fund. So obviously, a loved one in the, in the hospital is definitely an emergency. So in that five or six weeks, we accrued some debt. And once my uh, my mother-in-law passed away, you know, we caught our breath. It was it was tough. We had to heal from it. But in 2018, my wife and I looked at each other and said, no more, no mas. And as me, as the head of the household, I felt like I failed. And I told her, I said, we'll never go through this again. We'll never go through life again without an emergency fund. So what I always tell people is when you don't have an emergency fund, it's like walking on a tightrope with no safety net. Mm. You don't want to do that. You want the safety net underneath the tightrope, right? Yep. So in 2018, like I said, we looked at each other, no more, no mas. And I said, we got to get out of debt. My wife was all on board. So we had $32,000 of debt and we paid that off in five months back in 2018. We weren't playing around. We got on a budget we had never been on a budget before. We got on a tight budget. Our budget was so tight that it squeaked. And we were just throwing all of our disposable income towards this debt. And obviously the catalyst was 
with my my mother-in-law Rochelle passing away that was the catalyst of it all because I was like you know what this can't happen and sometimes people wait until life kicks them in the teeth to get their get their stuff in order I, I try to encourage people don't wait to do that but another thing is that um she did not have any life insurance so in that process of accruing all this debt we also paid for my mother-in-law's funeral we paid uh, ten thousand dollars that was money we did not have we borrowed it from our, our local bank so i mean it was just it was a mess um so like i said her death was a catalyst and and those were the that was our debt-free story and that was that was how we said we're going to take our personal finances and our legacy serious and we became so intentional and and, and that's where we're at now yeah so what was the debt so the debt was um uh we had some uh we had uh let me think um a car definitely we had we had some car payments um uh, we had some some credit card debt um and then we had that ten thousand dollars that we borrowed to for her funeral um and that that was it that that brought us up to thirty two thousand dollars and um that that was it seemed like a lot um I hear other people's story, but to us, that was a lot. So that thirty-two thousand dollars in five months, we we like we gotta get it. We gotta evict it. It's, it can't stay. <laughs> it has to go. So yeah, that was that was all of it. Wow. So you know, going through that process, and again, my condolences to you and your family and your wife uh, during that time frame, because losing someone is, I gotta say, it's expected, not expected. To the sense like we all know we're going to die eventually. Mm-hmm. We don't know when. Yeah. And that's why you said that emergency fund will come in. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so you say you guys have pretty much combined households um, early on. So what was that like? You, you're talking about when you say combined households, you mean, uh, what do you mean when you said that? Because you say that uh, was your, your wife family is, was in Ohio and then you guys came here. Yeah, well, so I'm I'm from Maryland. So my wife moved my wife moved to Maryland. She always wanted to live here. So when we met, it was just it was like a match made in heaven because I'm from Maryland. She said she always wanted to live in the, in the DC area. So um, that that was it was a seamless process. As far as do you mean like um, combining uh, accounts? Like no, just like how how was that like? Because you're living on your own, obviously, and then when she comes over, it's like whoa, it's. <laughs> telling her to you know get rid of your stuff or yeah she's telling you to get rid of all your stuff that you Mm -hmm. like oh so that process like i said it was pretty seamless for us it was all about um understanding that we had to get to know each other Mm -hmm. and the biggest key is uh, people it sounds cliche but it's just really about communication and I've, i've learned this is just my personal opinion a lot of people are lazy communicators they say well anthony you should know that or you should you, you I thought you knew what I meant and they get mad and they get short with you. But reality, they're mad because they didn't articulate their words clearly. So they say clear is kind. So I give you an example. If you're talking to someone and you're they're telling you their side of their story and then you're already thinking of a response, that means you're not listening to them. Yeah. You're not thinking you're not you're not listening to them. You're so with us, it was just about communicating and, and just giving it time. And you know what, this this is all new for my wife and I. 
Um, my wife was my first serious relationship and I, I was her first serious relationship. So we knew it would take some time. But for us, it was all about uh, just communicating with love, uh, honesty. And I always tell people, um, find someone, marry someone that is not afraid to hurt your feelings. In other words, someone that's going to hold you accountable. My wife holds me accountable. I hold her accountable. So I can tell her, hey, um, what you did or how you said that, you could have said it better and vice versa. My wife is always telling me something that I can get better on. So um, that just keeps our relationship um, intact. And and my wife is a Christian as well. So we're one flesh. So we stay on the same page because, uh, you know, we're we're praying together. It's hard to uh you know um we don't believe in going to bed angry mm -hmm. so it's hard to be mad at somebody when you're like okay here's here let's take my hand and pray after that you're like all right what were we mad about you know <laughs> nice yeah so one of the cool things um i like about your story is that when you combining your households and then understanding you know that communication is the the crux of the relationship but then you know you move to the next rotation which is education so you know you went to school um and so did you go to school debt free as well or no yes so i went to school um and i, I got my i had my bachelor's degree in business administration i had my mba so um, no, no debt. So I don't, the only debt that we have is our mortgage. Um, we don't, we buy, we buy a car, we buy a car for cash. We don't do any debt at all because quite honestly, we don't like to owe people money, period. Um, if I owe you a dollar, that's going to bug me. I'm going to be like, Anthony, I sent it to you cash at like, I'm so serious. So <laughs> I don't like to owe people money, but so many people are comfortable. And then we got the, you know, we're in a society now where OPM, other people's money, and they put this out on social media and people don't understand how that works. And a lot of people don't even understand interest. So, um, yeah, I went to school debt free. I had debt um, in the very beginning when I first started going to school and I didn't like that feeling. This is when I was single. I was like, ah, you're sending me these bills. I don't like it. And it, to be honest, it was like five grand. But I was I did, it didn't sit well with me, so I quickly paid that off. So yeah, I went to school debt free through scholarships, and just I'm not I'm not going to borrow money. I took I took I took that off the table. So in my household, we don't we don't borrow any money, so we took that off the table. So it's not an option for us. Nice now, because I remember uh, you mentioned earlier that you were talking about a budget. Mm -hmm. Um, what type of budget were you doing? Uh, can you? explain your budget a little bit absolutely i would love to so i teach my clients and this is what i do for myself i teach my clients and 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 we practice what we preach we do a zero-based budget mm -hmm. so what that means is you know this use a, a nice number let's say you make six thousand dollars a month and you put six thousand dollars at the top of your budget and you list all of your deductions that means savings investing giving uh daycare gas groceries and, by, and when you get to the very bottom of all your line items, it should be zero. And zero sounds bad, but it's actually a good thing because every dollar has to be accounted for. Every single dollar needs a name or else it goes into a line item called spent. I teach my clients and I tell people all the time that spent line item is invisible, but it's real. And if you don't account for your money, then 
it's going to be in a line item. Um, and like I said, it's called spent. And then you look up and we've all done it before. We said, where did that $300 go? Where did this go? And uh, Anthony, I'm going to tell you this, and I'm sure you can appreciate this. Um, I don't I don't own a boat. Right. But we are, we're familiar with boats, especially uh, us being from Maryland. Anthony, did you know that 69% of all boats sink at the dock? No, I didn't know that. It means it's unattended. Wow. 69%. We, we, we can do some simple math. We know that's 70%. Seven out of 10 boats that sink are left unattended. They're, they're at the dock. They think they're secure, but the owner comes back and it's, and it's sunk. I, I bring that up because what is in our life is financially, from a financial standpoint, is left unattended. Mm-hmm. A lot of stuff. And then we wonder why we're swimming in debt. We wonder why our financial ship has sunk. So the budget is the key because it gives you, uh, it lets you know where you where you where you stand, and um, that's so important. So yeah, we we practice zero based budgeting. Nice. So where did you get the idea uh, for budgeting? So I'm sure you heard of Dave Ramsey. Um, he, he, some people love him. Some people hate him. I'm a fan of Dave Ramsey. And I, I heard him talk over the years. Quite honestly, I didn't, I listened to him, but I didn't execute on, on, on a baby step. That's how we got out of debt by practicing the baby steps. So he used to always talk about a budget, but budget. And then we just looked into it one day and we we're like, well, wait a minute, we can do this. Cause it's two parts to a budget. It's number one, doing the budget. And number two, sticking to the budget. Mm-hmm. So once we did the budget, that was the hard part. Um, and then we're like, all right, now we got to stick to it. Because when you start budgeting your money with your spouse, it's going to be uncomfortable. If you're going to work through some kinks, it's going to be tough at first. But it's actually in the long run, it's going to make your marriage stronger. Because if you guys are on the same page financially, um, oh, man, the sky's the limit. Um, I tell people all the time that the budget the diamonds aren't at Tiffany's. They're not downtown. They're not at Tiffany's. The diamonds are in the budget. That's where the diamonds are. Once you figure it out and you're like, wait a minute, we have X amount of dollars at the end of the month. And it's like a budget gives you a raise. So why wouldn't you want to do it? You know what I mean? Give you control of your money. Yeah. Cause uh, one of the things about Dave Ramsey's program is first save that thousand dollars. Now, <sighs> I don't like the blanket statement of a thousand. Um, so what are your thoughts on that? So this is what I think. I think that the thousand dollars is um, it, it, it. Personal finance is personal. I always tell people that personal finance is personal. So you you save a thousand dollars. That may be good for a, you know, one or two families. But there's another family. They feel comfortable with fifteen hundred. But the thousand dollars is a good starting point because the average American doesn't have a thousand dollars saved up in their account. The data shows that. Furthermore, the thousand dollars is not meant to be a lot. It's supposed to make you uncomfortable. It's supposed to make you say, you know what, I want more in there. So now you you're working the steps, you're working the process and you're motivated. Because if I tell you that um, if I go inside your pantry, Anthony, and I say, all right, we got two meals left. We got some spaghetti and we have, I don't know, some, some, something else. Right. And you're like, okay, now you got in your mind, 
we got to figure this thing out. We need some more food. So it's going to make you uncomfortable and it's going to be the, um, it's going to be the straw that stirs the drink. So I'm fine with it. If you want to do 1500 or 2000, that's fine. But I will say this, make sure that you actually save that amount because the baby steps are about small wins. I don't know if you ever watched football before, but yeah. if you ever watch football and a team is down by, let's say a team's down by 17 points and it's about to go into halftime and the, and the team and TP, people are yelling at the TV. It's like, why did they kick a field goal? They're down. They're down by 17 points. It's this thing called momentum. So you kick the field goal. Now you got three points. Then you come out of halftime and you get the ball. Now you go down and score. Now you just you just have 10 unanswered points. Now you got a ball game, right? Yeah. So it's about momentum. Um, and that's why uh, I, I tell people that um, the baby steps work. It's not for everybody, but uh, it works for it worked for my family and I. Yeah. So you have so many people who are not where they want to be at financially, but yet they're up to date on Love and Hip Hop Atlanta. They mm -hmm. never miss an episode of Real Housewives of Atlanta. They they are they can tell you who got voted off the island. And then if you ask them about, you know, uh, a stock split or, or are you investing in Apple? And the answer is no. They don't know what's going on in business, but they can tell you what the latest post on shade room was i don't follow shade room but the last time i checked one ahead i want to say they had 20 million followers right but yet you say hey um are you uh you know where you want to be at financially where do you see yourself at uh, a year from today based mm -hmm. on actions and, and decisions and choices that you're making they won't be able to give you an answer but they can tell you who recently broke up with who or who just got pregnant so you yeah. got to look at the priorities. And even the sports stats side of the house. And they try to say, oh, you're a nerd for knowing this and you're a nerd for that. But I'm like, but well, you're a nerd on, on about somebody in tights that, not, that doesn't even know who you are. But yet you're rooting to say that's my team. Absolutely. And I'm a big sports guy. I love I love uh, sports. Go Ravens. I love basketball. I, I love football. Grew up playing both sports. But I had to learn as I got older, I had to unplug from those things and, and really focus and really grow up and say, all right, let's let's think about my financial legacy and understanding my financial why. And what I tell people is watching TV, you're literally watching someone live out their dream. A lot of these athletes, for example, they wrote on a piece of paper in the third grade. I want to play professional football. I want to be in the NBA. I want to be in the NFL. And you're watching them live out their dream. Meanwhile, you're not even one step closer. You're actually falling behind when it comes to, you know, pursuing your dreams and achieving the goals because you're wasting time. So, um, yeah, just get your priorities in order and, and understand that your financial legacy is the most important, one of the most important things you can submit. Yeah, because I always think about that when I'm watching a movie or something like that. And I'm like, what am I doing right now? Am I like watching somebody else making their money? even though it's free to me, but they, they already made that money. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, well, am I even making my money? Like, what am I doing is my return on investment. So perfect example, I was binge watching uh, Game of Thrones. And so what I decided to do was they have a drinking game for Game of Thrones. So every time you hear like, um, you know, my Lord or your grace, you gotta take a shot or you gotta, um, or there's like nudity for some odd reason, mm. you gotta take a shot. And it's almost like you gotta do bingo through that process. And I mean, you don't have to take a shot, but you can actually do bingo or whatever. Mm -hmm. And what I decided to do was use that same criteria, 
but I would do different workout routines. So whether or not, if they say my Lord, all right, I'm doing 10 pushups every time they say it, they say it a lot. So <laughs> choose wisely. <laughs> and if there's nudity, you, I do sit-ups or whatever, um, uh, or jumping jacks or something like that. And I made a game out of it. I only pick five things. Every um, mm-hmm. episode, I pick five things. And then I'll rotate my, uh, I guess you could say the circuit. Mm-hmm. If I know they're going to say my Lord a lot, all right, cool. I need to work on my upper body. I'm doing push-ups <laughs> this episode. If I needed to work on legs, hey, I'm doing squats. I might do five. I ain't going to do like 10 or yeah. 20. Passed out. <laughs> <laughs> but these are the things that I try to do uh, when I watch TV shows, even though it might be mind-numbing, but you know, we all we also have to have that break, you know, sometimes. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with TV, just just have that balance where I mean, if you're watching TV every single night and you're telling me and not you, Anthony, but other people can mean. tell you who, you know, who who did what on this station and this channel, and you're saying, Okay, that's that's a lot of time spent on watching TV. So how are you trying to get to where you want to be at? And, um, you know, if you're looking at, you know, how you I, I found there's a correlation between how you spend your time and how your money comes and goes. Mm-hmm. If I look at someone and I see that they are on a tight schedule and they they are very intentional more times than not, they're probably going to be intentional with their with their money as well. Like someone can't call me and say, hey. Hey D, let's let's go to uh let's go to happy hour. I'm like, what? No, I'm not going. Like, this is out of nowhere. Like, that's that's not in my budget. That doesn't mean I don't have money. I definitely have money, but that's they weren't sitting down with my wife and I two weeks ago when we did our budget for November, right? So they can't come in and just uh uh you know put insert themselves in my life. And then now, guess what? Now if I go to happy hour. Am I am I going to go there and not spend any money? Of course, I'm going to spend money. The whole environment is designed, the lighting, the music, the food is designed to spend money. Right. So I'm like, no, I'm not going to do that. So just like how you spend your time, um, if you find yourself spending a bunch of time watching TV and things of that nature before you know it, now you're on Grubhub. So you're watching you're watching TV, you just order some food and none of this is in your budget. Mm-hmm. Do that a few times. And at the end of the month, you're like, where did all my money go? I'm like, it went on Tuesday night. Yep. On pizza and, and, and VH1. <laughs> yeah, because what did I do? Because um, I do happy hour, but I actually plan it out. So I do like a two weeks out, maybe three weeks or like once a month. Mm-hmm. But those come in like the routine side of the house. So, hey, like I know I'm going to plan happy hour for this at least once a month. I go happy hour. Just to kind of take a break from work mm-hmm. and life and just, you know, just listening to things or I'll be in my planner just looking at stuff. Yeah. Um, and but also, I guess it wouldn't work out too well, because if you're doing a zero based budget, if it's not in your budget and somebody asks you, hey, can we go hang out? You're like, no, nah, I'm broke. <laughs> like I have a miscellaneous budget and it, and it could pull from that, but it's just like I'm focused. You know what I mean? And I'm, I'm focused on like getting to the next uh, place in my life. So I don't have time to do those things because I'm I'm looking at the standpoint of, all right, that's time spent that I could be reading, working on my craft, um, learning, reading a book. 
Um, you know what I mean? Like I try to try to look at my I try to look at it from the standpoint of if I'm watching too much TV, uh, I, I say, wait a minute. I've been watching a little too much TV. I got to I got to cut the screens off and I got to crack open a book. Let me get the highlighter. Let me get the pen. Let me start looking at some stuff because the stuff that I'm reading is going to stay with me a lot longer than, um, you know, uh, a, a game that I'm watching or something like that. So just being mindful how I spend my time and what I put into our what we put into our minds. Yeah. Uh, so many people, I, I strongly believe garbage in, garbage out. If your life is loving hip hop, Real Housewives of Atlanta, uh, Black Ink, and all this other nonsense, it's going to be hard for you to have a, a, a in depth conversation about uh, investing and, and and building wealth because you've put nothing but garbage in. So of course, garbage is going to come out, and they're going to look at me and you and say, "Oh man, they they always talk about money, or those guys are weird, or they're whatever." But it's not that. It's really what it is, is they're not able to uh, join in the conversation because mm-hmm. they're not uh, they're not investing in themselves. Right. You know what I mean? And that's really what it is about, investing into yourself, making sure that you're putting quality stuff in your mind. So that way, when you are, you know, talking to people and, and having those conversations, you can actually contribute to the conversation. <laughs> yeah. And, but how can I say how do we make money entertaining? Because like they have a full storyline. If you watch some of these shows and the way how they, I have to give it up to the editing team <laughs> because they already, and the cool thing about these seasons is that they already recorded all the seasons before they put it out. Mm-hmm. So they are able to pull footage from five or six episodes down the line, throw them in the one or two episodes in like so-and-so said this or a fight happened. And so you sit there waiting for the fight to happen in the first episode. They're like, all right, well, they get in there, but then the second episode come through. And it was like the fight still didn't happen that they showed <laughs> in the prior one. So you stuck all the way in to find this one fight five episodes down the line. Mm. That's one way to do it for TV. Um, but how do we keep that that going? Yeah, so like I, I mentioned before that uh uh my my partner and I we do we do a live and I joked around said it's edutainment but in reality when it comes to personal finance we we should take the the entertainment and the, it can be entertaining but it's a small piece of it we should come into the mindset of it's like school nobody walked into a classroom expecting to laugh it's not a comedy show Right. We're not, we're, am I right? You're not walking into school is, and saying, okay, where's Kevin Hart at? Right. And I'm expecting Kevin Hart to be standing on a desk. Right? No, you're expecting, all right, class, open up your book, blah, 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 right? So we got to put the entertainment on the back burner. If you want to make it like 25% of it, but the, the, the lion's share of it should be, all right, I need to come in and get better. And I think that's our problem because we're constantly entertained. We're over entertained. We're oversaturated. This is why you can scroll and scroll and scroll and scroll and scroll. And people do that. So I would say put that on the back burner, make it a small part of it. But go in. It's a business trip. When I start talking about money, I get serious. Right. Like someone asked me about some money. I get very serious. They're like, are you mad? I'm like, no, I'm just passionate. <laughs> I'm just serious. There's nothing funny about not having money. Right. Am I lying? You're not lying. <laughs> We've been there. I mean, 
it's nothing up. funny about not having money. So I'm so confused on why, why should I not be serious? Right. Yeah. So, uh, and have that, have that approach. And it's like, all right, it's a business trip. Let me button up. Let me sit up. Let me have a notepad and pen and paper and I'm um, coming ready to learn. Yeah. You're um, what they call it. Cause I had a guy on called Lucas called named Lucas root. And he was talking about your productivity uniform. And so if you're going to put your button up suit or a button down or actually, yeah, it's not a button down because button downs are when they button down the actual collar. But mm-hmm. for those of you who are in the fashion, uh, <laughs> don't come at me. So the button up shirt, uh, yeah, it's a notepad and everything like that. You might got some slacks on or shorts, whatever makes you happy. But that's your productivity uniform. Like for me, for the show, I have a branded shirt that I try to wear and this is Hey, I'm in work mode. This is what I do. This is my fun time, but also I know I'm not doing full physical activity. So I'm not up here dancing with this shirt on. Yeah. <laughs> um, and and that's, I think that's one of the things we have to be mindful of too. It's like, where do you do the separation of space? Like when you're in the living room, you there, you know, you just relax time. Like, Hey, this is the couch potato area. But do you also sit down in that same room and talk to your wife about planning for your finances? More than likely not. Yeah. It's <laughs> so it's usually like at the dinner table or, you know, maybe out at brunch or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. It's just like more mutual. It's fun, but also it's still intimate. Yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. You know, uh, we, we go down in the basement for me. We go, we'll go in the office we'll have a conversation or we'll sit, like you said, at the, at the dinner table and just like, let's, let's talk about it. And uh, just putting yourself in that mind frame mindset of, all right, let's talk business. Right. Mm-hmm. And when you, when you start talking about those things, you don't want distractions. You know, I had a, I had a client uh, one day and I can't make this up. This person, I mean, it was it was somebody was walking in the room. They were just getting in the house. I mean, it was like I got to leave out soon. I got to pick somebody up. It was it was a total disaster. Right. Right. And I I said with confidence that um, you have to be focused in order for this to work. Mm-hmm. And too many of us are focused on the wrong things. They're focused on things that are not going to generate or, or produce any fruit. They're focused on things that um, that are not going to uh, to it's not going to produce any money for me to, you know, you know, we, you heard about earning your leisure, you know, assets over liabilities. Right. And they're focused on the liabilities in their life. And I'm like, well, focus on the assets, you know, building a business, uh, learning about, um, you know, uh, when someone says ETFs, like, what does that mean? Or, or just challenging yourself but they're focused on the other things that aren't going to help them so it's like okay whatever you focus on is what's what's going to grow yeah i mean it's really simple um you focus on on a bunch of nonsense then that's what you're going to get you know so yeah that productivity uniform that your friend mentioned uh yeah that's that's true yeah it it opens up the mind to a little bit of, of different things you know so uh, all right, man, this recording quick. Stick with it. Nice. Um, so first, um, you said that you joined the army. 
uh, at 17 years old. Was that something that you wanted to do or? Absolutely. So I'm, I'm originally from Salisbury, Maryland, um, small town. It's the headquarters of, of Purdue. So I, I have a lot of family members that's worked in at chicken uh, plants, um, Purdue, Island Family Food, ConAgra, Mount Air. I can tell you all about farming more than what you would ever would want to know. So it's not a lot of opportunity. So um, I said, man, I got to get out of here. Um, I didn't want to be, you know, no disrespect to anybody, but I've, I felt when I graduated and if you stay there, you can roll the credits on your life. I would have been at best working at Walmart and being a JV football coach. And I was like, no, thank you. I want more out of my life. So I joined the military and um, I'm still reaping the benefits of that to this day. And I'm 40 now. Oh man, congrats. And thank you for your service. Um, Because at the time of this recording, it's right after Veterans Day. So, uh, again, thank you for your service, sir. Thanks for your support. Um, So, you know, we talked about a couple strategies and some of the things that, you know, they got you to where you are today. Are there some strategies that, you know, with all the clients that you've helped have been the most common that people use typically overlook? Um. I would say uh, definitely, obviously, the budget. I would also say um, looking at their, uh, I wouldn't necessarily call it a strategy. I would just say it's more, I guess you could call it a strategy. Um, take a look at the, the last three months of your of your bank statements. Um, I do this with my clients. Look at the last three months of your bank statements. They think it's for me. They're like, oh, coach is giving me homework. It's really for them because I want them at look at where their money is going. And then I tell them to write on a piece of paper, write down on one side, your needs, write down on the other side, your wants. And I teach them don't confuse needs versus wants. You don't need a vacation. Oh, I gotta have it. No, you want a vacation, right? So that wasn't a a vacation. It is not, um, it's not a need. That's a want, but you know, utilities, things of that nature, uh, groceries, those are, those are needs. These are necessities, right? And I tell them to do the three months because that's a solid uh, sample of who you are, right? If I look at your money, I can tell you exactly who you are. If I look at your money for the last 90 days, I can tell you who you have been for a quarter of the year, right? I'm looking at Anthony. I'm saying, okay, this man clearly likes to invest. He invests into, into his business. He's investing into the stock market. Your Your bank statements is is uh it's going to always tell on you so i would tell people encourage them look at the bank statements and see where their money is going you see a bunch of bloomingdale's and sacks and marshall's and sounds like you might be shopping too much you know um that's one method another method i would say is to think about when you're about to make a large purchase and large the word large is subjective for me if i spend anything over a hundred dollars um, I, I think about it. My daughter told me one day, she said, daddy, you stalk your stuff before you buy it. Right. <laughs> and she's right. Because of the way I grew up, I didn't grow right. up with a lot of money. I was on free lunch. I grew up in a mm-hmm. single parent home. Thank God. I never missed any meals. I want to be clear. I never missed any meals. My mom's an awesome mom. I never even knew I was poor until I became an adult. True story. We had abundance of love but we didn't have a ton of money, but everything was always good. 
So growing up, I understood the word no at a young age. So um, I make sure that I'm not being wasteful with my money. So if you're about to make a big purchase, ask yourself, can I just put this in the cart for 24 hours? Put it in the cart, sleep on it, and then come back to it. And you might say, I really don't need this. Um, Why am I buying it? You know, are you trying to impress people that you don't even know, that don't even like you? Right. And just do that. Do that 24, 48 hour uh, exercise. And that will help you out a lot. Um, that That's a couple of things that come to my mind. Nice. All right. So uh, we're going to talk about the features here at this point, which is the third segment of the show. And so where would you see yourself in the next two years? In the next two years, um, I definitely see myself doing a lot of uh, paid speaking engagements, uh, teaching people about personal finances. Um, I also see my business um, from the standpoint of of uh, coaching people. Uh, I can see myself doing some group coaching. Um, I do private coaching right now, but I want to be able to touch more people. And, and I can see myself having um, uh, basically a group of people that I that I coach. Um, and then also um, have, having some some workshops, uh, masterminds, just getting out there, getting people in the same room, getting them in that environment, because that's big. Um, it's hard for someone to think that they can build wealth when everyone around them is not building any wealth. So they think that's the reality. So those are some of the things that I see myself doing in the future. Awesome. Now, um, because, you know, you seem like you have a big heart. I don't say it seemed like, but you actually are a big heart. Um, I'm actually bringing up my little notepad here because uh, there were some questions when I went to a conference and they asked some pretty good ones. Um, like one of the questions, do you actually feel that you have enough? Enough money? Or enough in life? Yeah, yeah. I'm definitely fulfilled. I'm definitely fulfilled. Um, if my life never changed and it just stayed exactly where it's at right now, I would be happy. I'm I'm very content. Um, I love my life. Um, I have a relationship with my heavenly father. I have a great um, great relationship with my wife. Two beautiful kids. Um, so I, I'm very content. So I would say I definitely have enough. My cup is full. Uh, with that being said, there's things that more things I want to do because it's bigger than me. Um, I heard someone say one day that making six figures, someone said, oh, I, I want to make six figures. Someone said that that's selfish. You should want to make more. And they were like, I think that the, the quote was, I want to make a hundred thousand a year. And someone said that was a selfish quote because, you know, um, as you mentioned, I do like to give. So the more money that you make, the more you can give and the more you can do for others. Like it, like it. Awesome. So you ready for the final four questions? Absolutely. Let's do it. So what does wealth mean to you? So wealth means to me, um, to me, when I think of wealth, I think of um, having time, owning your time. That's important because people, when we when they hear us talk about money, they think we're talking about money, which we are. Really what we're talking about is owning our time. Because if you have the money, then a byproduct of having the money is that you'll be able to own your own time. Cause we know a lot of people who have a ton of time on their hands and they don't have any money. Yep. And relying, 
they have zero dollars. So they got all the time in the world. And then there's also the other end where we are making good money, but we are we're grinding, we're scrambling, right? We're working. So if we can find that 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 right, that happy medium where um you have passive income coming in and there's a surplus of money and you now you own your time. So now you say, you know what, I just want to go to the risk for two days. I just want to un- I want to unplug. I want to reset, recharge, relax. And now you can do it. So to me, I think of uh, owning my own time. I like that. Number two, what was your worst money mistake? Without a doubt, not investing sooner. Um, without a doubt, not investing sooner. Um, if I started investing as soon as I turned 18, it, oh man, I, I have like, um, <laughs> in my like a, a massive pool in the background somewhere like it, it's so crazy so that's been my biggest mistake not investing sooner um now i'm definitely investing and i'm on i'm on i'm definitely building wealth every single day but that would be my biggest mistake that's one thing i could go back and do i would have started investing to the s p 500 i would have i would have got a, a a basic mutual fund or etf and invested in market and, and and ride the wave yeah like i said it and forget it yeah exactly <laughs> Uh, number three, what is your favorite financial or non-financial book? Oh man. Um, that's a tough one. Um, cause I read a lot of them. I would say, uh, the millionaire next door. Okay. Cause that was what woke me up. I know a lot of people mentioned the rich dad, poor dad. I did. That was one of my first books as well. Um, but but the millionaire next door, uh, you know, exposure leads to expansion. So when I read that book, I was like, wait a minute, wait, they're driving Camrys, and and like it just it opened my eyes to how they're living, how they're building their wealth, and it helped me to understand that there's a cert, there's a few qualities that you need to have in order to build wealth. And once I realized that, I was like, okay, I gotta be, you know, I gotta uh, live below my means. I don't have to um, live an extravagant lifestyle. Um, obviously, you know, uh, continue to to budget your money. Um, so that right there was an eye opener for me. So uh, I, I got to give it a nod to um, Lena next door. Number four, what is your favorite dish to make? My favorite dish to make, man, that's tough because my wife's an incredible cook. Um, I'm more of a, I'm going to be honest, I'm more of a breakfast guy. There you go. Um, Most of the guys are. (laughs) (laughs) I'm more of a breakfast guy. So I would say uh, bacon, eggs, oatmeal, some maple syrup, walnuts. And um, that's that's something that uh, the kids always enjoy. So that's the first thing that comes to mind. (laughs) <laughs> awesome yeah you gotta send me a picture of that so all right <laughs> uh the right last question here which is where could people find out more about you um definitely i'm on um instagram at Harmon financial coaching um that's my that's my handle at Harmon financial coaching um also um harmonfinancialcoaching.com um check out my website um i offer 30 minute consultations um i love to sit down with people and just kind of crack open their books and get to know where they want to be, find out their financial why. So like I said, the website, harmonfinancialcoaching.com and then on Instagram um, at harmonfinancialcoaching. Awesome. 
Well, for those of you who are listening, I just want to make sure that you guys got some information out of here. If anything of uh, that you listened to that you felt that was important to your life or could be important to someone else's life, even if your child at 16, 17 years old, they can always listen to the content that was given here today. Um, and as you heard, Demetria said, like, if he had the opportunity, he would have invested sooner. So please make sure that you check him out uh, on his website at harmonfinancialcoaching.com uh, and provide and support him there. And again, please make sure you guys like, subscribe and share because this actually adds a lot of value to the podcast and also to the guests who are on the show. All right, everybody. Y'all be safe. Wow. Peace.